But Paul has poured out some real deep truths in this first chapter. And, and I'm not going to try to go back and, and enumerate all of them, but you know you've been here. And, uh, and yet you can know, as I said last week, you can know all facts, F-A-C-T-S, and uh, you can be a facts mas- machine. You can have it all up here and spout out all the right answers and yet have it never touch here. And there's a real danger. Uh, I've known and read about pastors who were saved while preaching and uh, came to know Christ. And so, uh, but we know that uh, the gospel, the gospel of grace has power to change. And it doesn't stop at your salvation. Because you come to Christ by faith, you're given the Holy Spirit, but how do you grow? How do you change the same way you came? Believing the gospel. Believing the gospel. Believing what is true about you. And uh, uh, that changes you. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, he, he, uh, he works in us by his mighty power. He energizes us. He strengthens us. Uh, and as I will close, he satisfies us. May we all be satisfied in Christ. He's all we need. By the way, we'll be with him forever and ever, for all eternity. Uh, are you satisfied with him now? Uh, it's something we have to ask ourselves. Uh, and it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that is working in us by his mighty power. Uh, we have been raised to newness of life. And uh, that's, that's something to give praise to God. In verse 13, we, we see that the Ephesians had heard the word of the truth, uh, the gospel of their salvation, and believed, that is, received by faith. They were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. Just as Noah entered the ark and the door was shut and he was sealed in, the ark, the Lord, it says, shut him in. And just in the same way, when the believer by faith enters into Christ, and Christ enters in him, the Holy Spirit shuts him in. We're sealed, as the door was, by the Holy Spirit. If you go to the ark in, uh, in Kentucky, uh, Ken Ham has built a replica, uh, the, the door of the ark, he has that message on the door. That Christ is, I am the door, and, uh, and so forth. But it's a great message that he has there. And that is, we're sealed, we're shut in, uh, we're safe in Christ. And uh, we find that their faith was in the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 15. And uh, so, he also says in verse 15 that... Uh, this was demonstrated uh, to Paul by their faith and also the love that they had for the saints. And, uh, but Paul, we saw, wanted them and their understanding enlightened and deepened. And there were three things, remember. The hope of God's calling, which is based upon the word of God and the finished work of Christ and that they may rest in the certainty of that calling and the sure hope that they have in Christ. We looked at that. 
And then, secondly, the riches are the glory of God's inheritance. And we went uh, through what that means and uh, what we have in Christ and, uh, and how God sees even the most humble, uh, weak Christian as a dear one. And then we saw, thirdly, the greatness of God's power towards, towards us who believe. And that's verses 19 through 23. And you have to understand that these, these Christians in Ephesus were a minority group. Uh, they were not the high and exalted in the society, if you will, but they were just common people. And you know that they must have felt weak and powerless and uh, compared to all that they saw around them. And yet Paul is saying, guess what? Uh, you need to know about the strength and the power that you have in Christ. And so he is just encouraging them and wants them to know this reservoir of strength and power that they have in God and uh, his love for them. And, uh, uh, and it was demonstrated when Christ was raised from the dead. And so now, Paul in these last few uh, Verses in chapter 1 focuses, I think, once again on the risen Savior and uh, who we are as the body of Christ and how important that really is. And this strength, this power is for the body of Christ. It was... True of Christ when he was here on earth, he had an earthly body, but now it's true of us because we are now his body. And we're going to talk about how important that is, that you are part of the body of Christ. What did Paul say? Christ dwells in you. Christ is in us, the hope of glory. He's really in you. His Holy Spirit is in you. If you've been born again, if you're trusting, you're a child of the Most High God, but you also are part of the body of Christ. Wow. You mean, wow, I'm part of the body. Yes, you are. I think that's what Paul is, is wanting us to see here. And notice he, he, how he adores uh, the adoration of Christ and his lordship and his headship over his church. In verse 20, he sees Jesus risen from the dead and seated at the right hand of God. In verse 21, he sees Christ far above all power. And that's uh, in heaven and earth. That would be even the evil angels and what have you. In verse 22, he sees all things in subjection to uh, the Son of God. And so there was a, there's a whole host of things here to look at. He has full authority over the universe. That's in verse 22 and 23. All created beings, he is the head of all things to the church, to the church, which is his body. And believe you, this is deep, deep, amazing, incredible truths that Paul is pouring out here. And I want you to just to sort of, as, as I go through this, not be caught up in the... Uh, of the deep, deep, deepness of it, but realize that 
God loves you so much and he cares for you so much. He desires you to be the light of the world now. Christ is in you and now uh, Christ in bodily form is no longer here on this earth. But we're his body. That's what he's telling us. You're his body. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, And when you go around, are you showing people Christ? Sadly to say, most Christians show people themselves their problems. Not that we don't pray for problems and have problems, but uh, uh, through all of that, do we, are we satisfied with Christ? Are we rejoicing in Christ? Is it all about Christ? Yes, it is. The whole life is about Christ. And it will be throughout eternity. It will be about Christ. And uh, that's, that's, it's just amazing. So... Uh, so just pray uh, along with myself that we might be enlightened to know the mystery uh, that we would, would know uh, experimentally because of, of the truth of it that it's really touched our hearts and our souls and, and we just put our whole selves into it why? for one thing it's true and it's, it's powerful it's uh, it's life-changing, and, and it was to Paul, and it should be to us. But anyway, let's look now uh, as Christ identifies himself with his followers. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 9, now this concerns Saul, but I want you to see that you are physically the body of Christ. And that's huge. I don't know if you're really sort of getting what I'm saying here, but he dwells in you. You're his body. Boy, it makes you kind of think about how important that is, doesn't it? Wow. Paul, now Saul, seeing uh, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was, as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so, you're persecuting me, he says, when you persecute my brethren. Don't you you find, why are you persecuting me? Paul was not physically persecuting Jesus, and yet he was physically persecuting Jesus because he was persecuting now those who were his body. That's huge. That is absolutely incredible to think. Uh, So to persecute them is to persecute him. And let me just say, those that come against the body of Christ... uh, Better think twice about doing that. 
because it's extremely important to Christ. And so, when he was here on this earth, Christ had one kind of body, a physical body like ours. And now, he has another type of body. It's us. Wow. And so, he feels the blows of your enemies. He is united now to his body, the church. And he feels your blows when they come against you. This is, this is an awesome, an awesome, awesome thing. Matthew chapter 25, another example. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I think he's making a point. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger, invite you in or naked and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the, these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. It's important how we treat each other. Extremely important because we are precious to Christ because we're his body. We're his church. And you, t- you ch- touch the church and you touch the body of Christ. What he says. I can't see it any other way. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 16. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. What is he saying here? If you lay with a harlot, you're taking Christ to bed with her. Whoa. That's huge. That's how important it is. That's how important your body is and what you do with your body because it's the body of Christ. It's far beyond my understanding, comprehension, but I think this is what Jesus and Paul is saying here. It's that important. It's that important. What are we doing with our bodies? Are we thinking twice about what we are doing with our bodies? So we need to see, we need to see the reality of Christ's presence in the world is in the form of his church, his body. Wow. Today, Christ has a body here on this earth. It's called his church. Not this physical building, but we are his body. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? You're Christ's body. Whoa, that ought to just kind of shake you up. Not only that, but it ought to excite you. Because he can use you. He can use you even though you may be weak. 2 Corinthians 4.11, Paul says, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Our job is to make Christ real to the world through our bodies. That's how important it is. Jesus said in Matthew 10.40, whoever receives you receives me. Ephesians 1.22 and 23 said, God put, and he, that is God, put all things in subjection under Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Notice, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We have a job to do. We have a job as Christ's body to fill the earth with Christ. Not with ourselves. We're to fill the earth with Christ. Whoa. You mean God will use me to do that? Yes, he does. You're his body. You're his body. Wow. That's pretty, pretty incredible. He wants to fill all of Mobile with himself. And he wants to use you to do that. When somebody comes to Christ, their life has changed. Christ is now in them. They go out and win somebody. Now Christ is in. Fill up Mobile with Christ. Wow. Is that possible? Yes, it is. I think it is. Because we, we serve a mighty God who is gracious, who desires that men come to know him. And we need to be about that business because we're the body of Christ. And yet so much we can be selfish and thinking about ourselves. But Christ, the church, is the body of Christ. You can find this in Romans chapter 12. We're not going to, uh, because of time's sake, verses 4 through 8, if you want to read further uh, passages. Also, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. The church is the body of Christ whom Christ, uh, whom Christ is head over. Uh, Colossians 1, 18 through 20. He also... He is also the head of the body, the church, that is Christ, is also the head of the body, the the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have the first place in everything. One day that that will be true, totally. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. 
and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, were the things on earth or things in heaven. Is that about Christ? It's all about Christ. Get used to it. Because we're going to spend all eternity understanding what that's all about. And you say, well, that sounds boring. Well, you have the other alternative, which is not so good. No, this is going to be so incredible, just absolutely beyond your imagination. Absolutely, totally captivated by what, what happens. All grace and strength will be derived from him, and it is today. All our hopes and joys come from him. He was raised by his own power and declared to be the son of God. He has in all things the preeminence, as we looked about in, in Sunday school. It's all about him. And this is what the church is, is to be about. Not only that, we see Christ fills all in all. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that I understand all of these phrases perfectly, because we can't. We, we really don't understand Christ filling all what that's going to be about. I don't know, as I said a couple weeks ago, if he says, Barbara, I'm going to, I'm going to let you be head over uh, this sector over here, which is thousands of light years from each other, but you're going to be over that. And, I mean, I don't know how that's going to look, but we're going to be busy doing the will of God for all eternity. And we'll be pleased to do that. There'll be joy in doing that. Matter of fact, I think the more you have to do, the more joy you'll have. Where today, it's what the least you can do to have the most, you're happy. But it won't be that in, way in heaven, I think. You'll be blessed because you'll have more to do. And we can't understand that because we're selfish and it's all about us. But he, is, he fills all in all, which is his body, verse 23. The fullness of him, that is Christ, the fullness of Christ. Who fills all in all. All fullness, whatever that is, dwells in him. All righteousness. And I think this fullness has to do with, with uh, his righteousness. All strength. All grace. All merit. He is all to his people. He is all they need. That's what I believe Paul is saying. It can be much more. Uh, uh, but you study this. You, you look at this uh, yourself and, and ask God, the Holy Spirit, to enlighten you what's being said here. Because this is really deep stuff. Incredibly deep stuff. And, uh, but it's, it's delicious as well. Uh, you know, you, you come to those parts in Scripture that uh, are vegetables or things that are not so good to eat, but then you come to the delicious things like a dessert. You know, When it's telling you how bad you are and how you need to repent, but then you come and talk about your inheritance and all the ice cream and all the, you know. That's the part I like, don't you, to the dessert? And we all look forward to eating whatever we're eating, but to the dessert, uh, if that's your thing. But 
but uh, Christ is the midst of it all. And he, it's all about him. And of his fullness, we all receive. Of his fullness, we all receive. In Ephesians 4, 8 through 10, it says, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captives. That's us. This is from chapter 4. I'm just going ahead here. But this kind of gives us an idea, I think, of what he's saying here. And he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. I can't comprehend that. But he ascends and, and, and fills all things. Whoa. That's... that's uh, that's beyond my comprehension. And all we can do is, is uh, speculate what we think that will be like. But uh, I think Paul here is talking about the way Christ rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And in doing so, he broke the bonds of death and captured for himself, it says, a host of captives, that's us, and led them free from sin and death and fear. And Jesus did this that he might fill all things. So it's all about him, but we have to see he's doing it to the church, toward the church, for the church, for our benefit, for his love for us. I can't, I can't, my mind can't go there. I don't know if yours goes there, but... I just can't comprehend such love and fullness and that's been poured out on us. But that's what he's telling us here. Paul is, is he's just kind of getting lost, I think, in the wonder of it all. And, he, of course, he was led by the Holy Spirit to write what he wrote. But I wonder sometimes if Paul even understood the depth of what he was writing. I mean, I... I'm sure he could expound it much better than I'm doing right now. But uh, I'm sure he'd go, look, I, I was lost in the wonder of it when I, when I wrote it. I was uh, just taken by it. And, uh, but, uh, but this Christ's purpose to fill all things is accomplished by his rising from the dead and ascending into heaven and being triumphed over all of his enemies. Filling all things is something Jesus does with the authority he has as the, real, as the risen ruler over all things. He's ahead of all things. He rules over all things. He has the preeminence. And he does that for the sake of the church. Wow beyond me it's beyond me what four things does God do for his son in these verses 20 through 22 we see in verse 20 he raises him from the dead verse 20 he gives him the seat of kingly authority at his right hand 
He puts everything in the universe in subjection to him. That's verse 22. Which includes every form of evil power and every being which is now or will be in the future. And that's verse 21. And then he gives his son with all that power and authority to the church as the head of the body. And again, this is deep stuff and and we could spend two weeks in just one of these phrases, but I just want us to, to, uh, and myself to be satisfied with Christ. That's what all this is telling us who he is and what he's done and and, and uh, he's got a plan. He's carrying that plan out. And the, they, that's all we need. It's all about him. And it's not about me. He'll use me, yes, but it's not about me. And so, putting simply, he's in charge. Remember that show, Charles in Charge, or something years ago? But I guarantee you one thing, he's in charge. Amen. And you can take great satisfaction in the fact that he's in charge. Aren't you glad Satan doesn't have his sway? That he just doesn't do whatever he wants to anytime he wants to to you? He can only do to you what is allowed by God for him to do to you, to bring against you. But that's always for your good, Romans eight twenty eight. All things are working together for good. Even the things that Satan brings against us is for our good. I don't understand that. I'd rather it was all uh, ice cream and cake, but it's not. Because why? We're in a war. We're in a fight. But it says here, Christ is indeed the king of the universe. That's what Paul is saying. He's the king of the... Notice in verse 21, he is above all rule. Notice in verse 21, he is over every name. In verse 22, God put all things under his feet. And he is head over all things, verse 22. I don't understand it, but I believe it. And we see the church as Christ's fullness. This really boggles your mind. That the, the church is Christ's fullness. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ, if you want to say it that way. We're saying that this fullness with which Christ fills all things is the body of Christ, the church. Now you say, I still don't understand I don't either. No, let's maybe put it, what does this mean? In Ephesians 3.10, I think we can see that as a clue that Paul has says that he has been uh, called to preach the riches of Christ and reveal the mystery of Christ for the purpose, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, he is working through the church. We're it. We're the last defense, if you will. But he's using us. He's working through us to bring down strongholds and, and 
to stand against evil and uh, to do his bidding. Wow, what a responsibility that we have. A wonderful responsibility. And uh, uh, the church is Christ's fullness. Wow, that he would even let us do that. That we are the embodiment of Christ, lastly. We are his body. Someone said, God aims to fill the universe with the glory of his son, Jesus, by making the church the showcase of his perfections. Wow. I don't even understand his comment, but uh, he says to put it in another way and include the idea of body, God means to fill the universe with the glory of his son by putting the church on display as the embodiment of his son. Try to take that in. And uh, we are his body. In other words, Christ fills the universe with his glory by showing the universe his body. Guess who that is? It's us. And how does he do that? He chose us. He destined us. He came for us. He taught us. He suffered for us. He died for us. He rose for us. He reigns for us. He calls us. He justifies us. He cleanses us. And will raise us to glory. Whoa. Just try to take that in. I mean, I I can't. I tried. I thought... How can I make this easy where they'll understand? And I think I'm more confused now than I was. But not really. Again, bring it back to satisfaction with Christ. Be satisfied with Christ. Be satisfied with him forever and ever. With him. We're in Christ. It's all about him. Christ fills all in all. He supplies all the defects in his members. Filling them with his Holy Spirit. Filling us with all the the things that we need. Changing us. Working in us by his mighty power. Using us. And that we might be satisfied with him. And giving him all the praise and all the glory. Let me ask you this morning. Are you satisfied with Christ? Is he all you need? Let me ask you. Are you satisfied with Christ? Because he is all you need. Let's pray. Father, this morning... Uh, Paul has has talked about such lofty things. And yet some of it, Lord, we we can understand. We can understand that we're his body and uh, that he has blessed his body, that he uses his body. And even what is in store for his body because of what he has done for us, as we'll see in chapter 2 and following what he has done for the church. And all praise and glory, Lord, goes to him. 
But Lord, help, help each of us. Help me to be satisfied in Christ. So hard it is, Lord, to take our eyes off of Him and put our eyes on stuff and problems. And, uh, but Lord, we need Your grace to be satisfied with Christ. Easy thing to say, Lord. But enlighten our hearts. Show us where we need to repent. And may he be all of these things to us personally. That we might know him. And in knowing him, have life everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.